another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Star Tribune from TCO Performance Center in Minneapolis, or Egan, not Minneapolis, thinking U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, Egan, the suburbs of Minneapolis, where the Vikings are preparing to travel to Chicago, which also is not Minneapolis, to face the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields, who's suddenly red hot and is everything we thought he was going to be before the season and becoming the next Jalen Hurts uh, and, and achieving achieving his uh, stardom. I say that sarcastically because I was going to say this before, sounds very different than your <laughs> off-air takes on Justin yeah. Fields. Before the podcast, I was deriding him and saying this is fake. It's a mirage. We'll get to that, but we have to lead with the big news of Justin Jefferson being placed or going to be placed at some point on injured reserve. That is the plan, right, Ben? That is the plan. Uh, it, it seemed like it was possible that was going to be the plan on Monday. Kevin O'Connell alluded to a lot of those things, basically saying we almost need to protect him from himself. We want to have the best big picture plan for him. Um, I think the stuff about uh, you know the wide receiver position, and this is not one that you can necessarily just play through when you have to open up and sprint as much as those guys do. I and mean, we've, we've seen Adam Thielen try it, and it doesn't go well. It seemed like that was a possibility on Monday that they would put him on injured reserve just for a let's ensure that this thing is resolved and, and taken care of by the time he does come back. I also think it is worth noting that the fact Justin Jefferson does not have a contract yet is worth discussing here. And I'm not saying that as the idea that, oh, he's going to go just shut it down and hold in or, or whatever. But two things come to mind here. Number one, he is certainly going to have people advising him that, are you sure you want to go back out there without this thing being resolved? Do you want to go back out in potentially your first game back on the U.S. Bank Stadium turf where you just got injured. I'm, I'm sure he's going to have that voice in his ear, and I don't think you need to look much further for uh, that idea being credible than some of the things you saw after the news broke on social media yesterday. Um, let the listener understand. The other thing I think that comes into play here is for the Vikings because the Vikings, the fact that they do not have a deal with him yet still means that they have to show his camp that they have a long-term plan for him that will put him in the best possible position to succeed. I don't think it does them any good in a relationship standpoint for the long term to be foolhardy with Justin Jefferson and get hasty and rush him back, especially when the team is one and four. Not saying that means he's done for the season. Not saying that's going to be the only factor, but I, I certainly think we can gather knowing how this group, this regime has thought through things and does business with contracts and how Justin Jefferson is likely going to be advised on all of this from his camp that nobody is going to do something that prioritizes the short term over the long term here. And I, I think too, with the type of injury is so important. And that's what you start off with. Cause we saw with Adam Thielen, we see it with so many receivers who 
that's a muscle that can get re-aggravated, re-injured. Keenan Allen dealt with it last year. Um, this year we've seen Christian Watson with the Packers get a couple games taken away from him from that. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples, but there's there've been a lot of them. Uh, and and Dalvin that, Cook a few years ago. Yeah, and that's an injury where you're seeing teams, I think, realize more as we go along and as more as, more as it happens that that is one that is so tricky to deal with that they exercise the caution. And I thought when we left on Monday uh, O'Connell's press conference, he spoke so much of preaching and exercising caution that it really seemed like this was going to be kind of the outcome here, um, if not IR, at least a multi-game absence yeah. um, because of how tricky that kind of injury is. And you bring up now the money situation with him. Um, the team's record, like it, it all kind of, it, there's no pressures now to him yeah. to get back onto the field as quickly as possible. Well, certainly. Let's, let's game this out then. What if they were three and two and he had signed an extension in August? What would be different right now? I'm not, well, it's possible that nothing would be different in terms of the four games. Four games. Yeah, I think that's true. My question is, is it only going to be yeah, four games? I think that's fair. If, if they're three and two, which they certainly could be. Yeah, it's not unreasonable. Perhaps should be. Um, say they win against the Bears, win against the Packers, or the Falcons. Let's say they're five and four after this stretch. Yeah, yeah. If, or if they were, I think if they even, were three and two, I think even six and three would be possible, given the the road opponents are are all beatable. They are, but you know, let's give him five and four okay. when he sure. comes off. Okay. <laughs> yes. To for the premise of the argument, yes. Um. Would they? So the question is, would they push him back? Would they play uh, eighty-five to ninety percent Justin Jefferson at that point if he's under contract already for the for long term and yeah. they're in contention? Yeah, I I don't know that they would. Um, they may still be cautious and they may be thinking, hey, if we're winning without him, yeah, November schedule is not particularly daunting. Maybe you hold him out of some of that too. So I I realize I'm you know. The distinction there is is probably not much of one, but I I think the fact that he is not signed is going to be part of these discussions. I, I the result may not be different, but I I have to think that is being talked about in whatever corners are saying this, and I think where you may really see it is um. If there is something where they're they've won a couple of games by the time he gets back, I don't I don't know that he shuts down for the whole season. It's yeah. just hard to know exactly where this. What's whole, the sliding scale? Yeah, yeah, and how much goes into the contract? How much goes into them being smart with it? All of that stuff. But um, there may be a game or two that get pushed towards sitting him if if some of those things come into it. It it it's certainly. I think one of those things, even if we can't say definitively at this point where it's going to go, um, keep your antenna up on that one. Yeah. I think is, is probably where I would land on it. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. 
Uh, Cooper Cup is another example I, I was uh, overlooking yeah. there. Hamstring yeah. strain, spent about six weeks and was on IR uh, for four of those. Coming back from that injury, and, and he looked fine last week, but all of these are different in terms of the grades and, right. and how bad the tears are um, in, in the hamstring. So how do the Vikings move on from this? Uh, they've got Jordan Addison, who seems pretty good. Yeah. they got TJ Hawkinson, who can catch on most days. Um, uh, how do they move on from this? Cause this is a very talented skill group and it's Kirk said, it's the most talented I've played with. And he's played with a lot of skill talent. Um, so are they equipped, uh, Ben, do you think to move on, uh, s- seemingly as you can from a guy like Jefferson? I mean, I, I think they're equipped to still be able to score. I mean, you shouldn't be scoring 14 points a game all of a sudden with Justin Jefferson out. I, I think they have enough ways to work through it. And I am a little bit curious. I, I, I don't want to push this point too far because I, I don't think there's any world in which you'd say, are they actually better without Justin Jefferson? <laughs> I mean, like that. Let's not galaxy brain <laughs> that. No, they're not. <laughs> but if there's any silver lining to this, I do think the fact that you have a quarterback whose stated approach to the position is, I go where my reads take me, and this idea of. I know I'm not supposed to throw it over here, but it's not wide receiver X. It's Justin Jefferson. I can do it. Has been kind of a a delicate dance. Um, If teams stop covering them the way that they have covered them over the last year and a half, two years, ever since Justin Jefferson has gotten this type of treatment, and I would expect that we'll see teams shift how they play the Vikings as a result of this, it may not be a terrible it may not be incompatible with the way that Kirk Cousins plays quarterback. I guess I'd say it that way. Yeah, and that makes sense. That, that makes a lot of sense in terms of kind of going through those reads, although sometimes he goes through them too quickly and you miss a K.J. Osborne. Yes, as he admitted on Sunday. Um, yeah, th- there's just been a lot of issues and hiccups with this passing game. But, Mike, what are you looking forward to seeing in terms of how they move on? I mean, it's it's just fascinating because they haven't had to live without Justin Jefferson. They haven't yeah, really – he's not missed a game. I mean, he – they started him off slow his rookie year, but he made it pretty clear pretty fast that he was the guy. And they, you know, they haven't really had to live all that much without two really good wide receivers, you know, and I think there was some slippage from Thielen last year. But if you looked if you look for maybe a, a slight comparable, I think back to that twenty nineteen season when Thielen was out for quite a while with a hamstring, I think, right? That it was, was the year. And then Diggs kind of carried the with load and they were they were okay, they were okay with you know with Diggs kind of carrying the load I think they went like four and three four and two in that stretch without Thielen and you know with with you know one really good receiver kind of carrying the load in a lot of running game and that was the year that Cousins threw the ball the least of any time he was here that team was better than this team is and that team had a better defense than this year's team has for sure but it's not out of the question that they find something and I think to Ben's point it's interesting like if you want to go like big galaxy brain on it like all the people who like to think well they didn't sign him to an extension yet is he a trade candidate like i don't i don't think that's gonna that's not part of this but it's they will they will get some information out of this that i think is interesting to them going forward well fine yeah, like how he exists without offensive player of the year to throw it to yeah, yeah. And we'll find out more about Jordan Addison, I feel yes. like, yes. as well. Um, he has obviously done a very good job, um, kind of really went on, came onto the scene right away in that opener and caught a touchdown. He's caught a few of them now. And 
Kevin O'Connell said his day could have been even bigger on Sunday uh, had he seen more targets thrown his way. So uh, what do you guys think of what we've seen so far of him? Because it does seem like the um, rare home run so far for Mr. Adolfo Mensa. Yeah, he's been impressive. I I think he's looked awfully good. I think he has dealt with physical coverage probably more effectively than we would have thought. I mean, that was a question with him right away and I think he answered some of those questions in training camp but has continued to do so during the season moves well on the field uh, seems like he understands it doesn't seem like the thing is too big for him my question will be uh, kind of as a counter to this point we've been making does he start to get more attention going his way now how much is he getting open because of all of the attention on Jefferson that won't be the same as it was, obviously Jefferson's not on the field. So uh, I'm curious to see how he handles that. But overall, I I think they are fortunate to have somebody of his caliber to be able to turn to with Justin Jefferson out. He gave me a Percy Harvin flashback in this last game. It was the catch before the touchdown catch where he caught the like the 17, and next thing I know he was at the 5. Like Just the way he caught a ball and took it upfield – so fast he and that's the highest compliment i can give a viking because percy harvin was the most electric the most yeah. electric small space player i have seen in vikings percy uniform. harvin had a for for those who are too young to remember him uh go back and find his it was like a pop pass or a screen against the titans in 2012 uh, yeah. you want to talk about short area maestro he was like that was that play still sticks in my mind it was it looked like a, he was on a joystick and everybody else was just diving in air. And, like, I don't think Addison quite has that power to him, but he has that quick burst that yeah. I was like, wow. So, like, I could see them getting him involved more in short passing games, like catch and run type stuff. I'm interested to see if he has more of that in him because they haven't used him a lot like that. They've used him more of the deep threat. We've seen some kind of stretches where they, I think at the second half of the Chargers game, they it was the time where he had like four catches in a row. Yeah. They were doing a lot of the underneath stuff with them there. And then in this game, they had a couple, I think it was a third down and then two fourth downs he helped them convert um, that were critical on some quicker passes at the sticks. That That's the kind of stuff that you see them go to it when they really need it. And then, yeah, how much can that be incorporated into more of the first down offense where Jefferson was the guy catching some of these bubble screens and quicker throws that I think we could see more of Addison in that role. And that means that his target share is going to go up. He's going to see more than the six and seven targets that he's been seeing per game. And frankly, all these guys are. I think Hawkinson will see more. I think it's going to be spread throughout this group. But I do wonder if Addison's the guy who's might be featured more on a given week. Yeah, I would think that's the obvious candidate there and uh, maybe tj hawkinson gets a little more consistency too we're just ben just pulled that up that's ridiculous i mean he was people forget 2012 he was the mvp of the first half of that season well that was a conversation the first half of the year was is adrian the mvp he may not be the mvp of his own team yeah this one good grief i mean he's he was ridiculous we're just you guys can't watch this this is really this is really good (laughs) podcasting because we're just watching it we're watching a youtube video of percy harvin and you guys can't watch it we were better at production stuff we (laughs) would put the link to this in the show notes yes but we don't really do that (laughs) percy harvin versus titans td 2012. You search for that on YouTube. How does find it only have 600 views? We, Were those all me? We can we can hyperlink that in the. Uh, there we go. We can the, do this. Yeah, we absolutely. That's easy enough. Print newspapers can be technologically forward. Bringing We're you a media vid- company. Bringing you video yes. and an audio medium is tougher. Thanks, Steve is tougher to do. 
Um, but I do, yeah, to your point, I mean, yeah, Percy Harvin, I think Addison was the first receiver Vikings rookie since Harvin to have multiple touchdowns in his first two games or something like yeah. that. Like his name is getting put up there with Harvin and with some of these Jefferson standout rookies. Did do that his first two games? Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, earn it. Wasn't starting. Gotta earn it. Gotta earn, earn that time. Tajay Sharp. Hey, you know. Uh, Tajay Sharp. Tajay, that was incredible. Didn't it, wasn't he like, wasn't his one target a fourth down play against like the Packers? It was like a big fourth down against the Packers yeah. that they missed him. You know what? Huge play. That's where Kirk Reed took him. <laughs> yes, that was where it took him at the time. Why Justin Jefferson was not on the field, I don't think was Kirk's decision. No. Um, the Vikings schedule is going to take them to Chicago where they face the Bears at Soldier Field. At least nothing has ever gone wrong in Chicago. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's a good barometer of how your season's going yeah. if you're the Vikings. Like, if you <laughs> win in true. Chicago, yeah. you're having a pretty good year. If you lose in Chicago, chances are you're not having a very well, good year. Well, think about, like, all of the bizarre stuff yeah. that you would have said, okay, they're going to throw an interception on the goal line. They're going to have a 99-yard pick six. They're going to have... A ball bounce off the tight end's hands and get deflected before it's intercepted in the end zone. I'm just going to tell you that these things happen. Where would you ex- – oh, and then like uh, headsets going out, becoming an issue. If I told you all of these things happened and I said, where <laughs> did they happen? Your immediate answer, where, where is the, the theater of the absurd for the Vikings? Your immediate answer would be Soldier Field. House of Horrors, really. Yes. Uh, t- Teddy Bridgewater, clocks going out. Yep. Um, all of it. Yeah. 2013. All of it. We've talked about a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. The finish we've talked about a thousand times. Yep. Wait, what it, happened in that game? Um, that was the chaos. first. I believe that was the first of their, like, however many losses in the final minute of yeah. that. That year. Five losses. If games were 59 minutes long, the Vikings would have had five more wins in 2013. They would have won the division. Leslie <laughs> Frazier would have kept his job. And that Chicago game, I believe, uh, Chicago went four wide with Jay Culler, oh, and it was yeah. it was Martellus Bennett, Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall, like just the giants and monsters Earl of the Bennett, midway. Like these, these guys were huge. And um, somehow, I can't remember who it was. Was it Bennett or Jeffrey that caught the game-winning score? I think it was... It was one of the Bennett's. Um, Martellus? Was, no, I think it was. It, Martellus was the tight end on that team. I yeah, thought. he was. But wasn't Earl Bennett one of the wide receivers too? Earl no, Bennett. Brennan, oh, Brennan, I don't Brennan remember Marshall Earl Bennett. Yeah. Jeffrey. They, they had a lot Maybe of it was him. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, they, but he could have thrown a touchdown any one of like four places. <laughs> Alshon Jeffrey play. used to kill them in those, he did. In those years. Yes, because it was basically find <laughs> Josh Robinson and Gosh. it maximized the height yes. advantage. The but time, no, the, they, the fade was a good idea. It was like a play at the end where the Vikings ran the defense in the goal line. Martellus Bennett did catch it. Um, that it was like a wheel route behind a, it was kind of a, yeah, all, Martellus was, and Earl Bennett were on that side. And then it was Jeffrey and Marshall on the other side. I think Bennett caught it over Chris Cook. If I remember. Correctly. Yes. Cause Chris Cook was, because we got in the locker room as fast as I've ever been let in a locker room, which happens a lot at Soldier Field. And they were hot and they were still very hot. It was like, <laughs> yeah, do you want us to leave and come back in two or three minutes? I mean, it was like anyway. it was the most tense post game locker room yeah. I've ever been in in my life. Yeah, there was uh, criticism of coaching and of players of everything. Yeah, it was they, it was rough. They, I think rough they bungled the first to didn't they bungle their last yeah, possession too, where they had a chance to salt the game away. Ponder missed the throw. Yeah, shocking. Yep. Shocking. That was a, also a subplot a lot that year. Ponder yes. missed the throw that would have iced it. Like in a lot of those games where they lost on the final possession, they could have 
put the game away yep. if they'd gotten a first down yep. or two. And we're she, talking about Christian Ponder. I was gonna say a, dec- a decade later, this Chicago Bears team has the talent to and speed to make this game absurd. Yeah. DJ Moore, Justin Fields. Uh, they're coming off eight touchdown passes for each in the last two games, but it was against the lowly Broncos and Washington Commanders who didn't look like they wanted to be out there on They've Thursday night. They've outscored the Vikings this year. Oh, they have still out, the They still have outscored the Vikings this year. So, Ben, a decade later. I'm just this- looking at the play calling on this last drive for the Vikings in 2013. Nobody cares about this. First goal on the six, Adrian runs for two yards, gets stopped. Bears call a timeout. Second down. Bill Musgrave. Ponder throws for Kyle Rudolph, misses. Uh, third and four, they run Adrian trying to run timeouts out and then kick a field goal. There was like, still three. What? There's still three minutes left in the game. Like, what? <laughs> you're up by three with three minutes left. That is an obvious got to score a touchdown moment if you want to yeah. put the game away. Yeah. They end up kicking a field goal from 22 out. <laughs> they go up 30 to 24 with 317 left. Four yards and out. they lose with 16 seconds left yes. when Cutler finds Martellus Bennett. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Just yeah. like clockwork. You knew exactly what was going to happen as soon as they kicked that field goal. Oh, man, Soldier Field. We're gonna whenever Kevin Warren builds his palace in the suburbs, we're gonna miss Soldier Field, I think. It sounds like um that is if, if Kevin Warren doesn't make a deal that he, he totally botches like he did with the Big Ten. Um it sounds like you're saying this game with the Bears is not gonna be normal. Um maybe it will be because everything else has been so weird. That's, maybe yeah. it's kind of the counter to that. This will be um, the uh, like, opposite oh, it's fine. Opposite um, year. Yeah, I mean they have not had a weird one down there for a couple of times so it probably would be due for one for a weird one feels like it would fit the season but maybe they've gotten that out of the system we'll see joking aside though i mean and the bears have played two really bad teams they played the the broncos and washington those are not good teams but it's like you know this is justin fields could give them problems i know he's had his issues. He doesn't seem like the guy. The Bears, as of right now, would have like two of the five top picks in the draft because they have Carolina's pick too, yep. which is – I think they have one and two right now. Yeah, probably. Well, they're one and four, so I don't know where – I think the Bears are technically the two right now okay. and Carolina's one. Yeah, one. Uh, Carolina's definitely one because yeah. they're the only winless yeah. team. Here would be the thing that – the weirdness factor, I suppose. Vikings beat the Bears in both of these games, end up – somehow number three and then oh (laughs) it's a quarterback draft but our division rival is blocking us from both caleb williams and drake may and they're gonna sell that second pick to someone else which won't be (laughs) us because they're not gonna put them in the division i mean yeah there's there there it is there it is there it is there it is right there so you're saying they they should want to lose this game i think for Tank for May. Those who are on the uh, crash for Caleb or um, die for Drake or whatever. Die for Drake. Whatever <laughs> thing you want to like dive. That. I said not oh, die. Said dive, 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 dive for Drake. Die, die for Drake. I dive. like that even better, actually. Uh, there's probably a better one somewhere, but <laughs> start at the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. Um, if you are in that camp, um, Yes, the Bears would be the obvious roadblock to getting there because they are similarly bad and they have two very high picks. Um, can we learn anything about Brian Flores' defense, about this personnel, about what they have? They've got 
Marcus Davenport now for these couple games going. Patrick Mahomes, I feel like you almost have to kind of write off that game of like, what are you going to do in some of those instances against that guy? Uh, But against Justin Fields, really mobile, as we know, probably the only thing that, that he leans on and that he can do super well. And they are a team that likes to get the ball out quickly and get uh, guys in space, as they say, uh, and use that speed. And they've got a lot of it. They're, they're going to miss Khalil Herbert, I think, with an ankle injury. The Vikings will dodge him. Um, but DJ Moore and and Justin Fields are very, very, very good. So do you think we can learn anything about this Vikings defense against what should be an inferior opponent? Well, I think how they handle some of that speed on the perimeter is is worth watching. I mean, they have been tested in times and certainly in Philadelphia in some ways, but that was a night where the Eagles decided to run the ball quite a bit more. So it hasn't been quite this type of a test on the perimeter. I I think, I mean, certainly Keenan Allen, but Keenan Allen is a different type of player than the bears have, you know, in some ways. So yeah, I think how they handle some of that stuff is is worth watching and, and how people tackle on the edge and, and how they cover and you know all of that I think is going to be worth paying attention to. I, I thought overall they did a pretty good job last week against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he made a couple of those where he's thrown back across the field and Travis Kelsey knows right where to be and you know some of that stuff is just hard to do anything about. But I think going into that game, if you had said, they're going to score 27 points. One of them's going to be on a short field. Mahomes is not going to throw for 400 yards. They're going to end up with 332 for the game. I I think the Vikings would have said, "Yeah, we'll take that. We'll we'll feel pretty good about our chances to win in that case." Well, and that's so it makes this upcoming stretch so kind of frustrating. Like they've they've been right there in some of these games. You could see how they could have been three and two, two and three at least at this point. Seven of their next eight games are against objectively mediocre or bad teams. Like they've got San Francisco in two. One weeks. is objectively good. Yes, one is the best team <laughs> in the NFL, probably yeah. by a lot. Yeah. The other seven are against either yeah. mediocre or bad teams. They play the Bears twice in there. They play the Falcons, the Broncos, the Packers, the Packers, the Raiders. Yeah. Even the Bengals don't seem that great this yeah. year. Like it's a lot of pretty winnable games if you're anything like what we thought they were going to be, but they're what, not. What? Yeah, I mean, it's it's like there's a world where you could say they're going to be eight and five if they get really, 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 really hot. The problem is, I I can't go there because they haven't done anything to show they're consistent enough to stop beating themselves long enough to get there. And now they're going to try to do it without their best player. Right. They're right. Like they're objectively yes. they're by far 100% their best player. their best player. Yeah, what we didn't talk about was them ripping off six straight wins and Justin just clawing to come back. <laughs> cuz they yeah. cuz they've beaten up on a bunch of teams. I say that because and laugh because it seems unlikely. Yeah, cuz they they keep dropping the ball. First play of the game yeah. on Sunday. They keep dropping the football and it's a new guy every time. It's been six different guys I think that have fumbled like the ball. Bad was that like their chain letter in seventh, the 90s. Seventh or eighth turnover in the first quarter this year? It was their seventh, seventh of 12. And they've scored yeah. three points. The, that was their first time they've scored Six on in the offense, third. one Brandon Powell punt fumble. Right. Three points in the first quarter all year. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like Faster starts, take care of the ball. I mean, but until you do it, we can't say, well, that's the formula because they haven't done it yet. If you score a touchdown in the first quarter on Sunday, you will have a 10-7 lead on your turnover total in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> you will be up by a field goal on your giveaways. 
Is there anything to just not being in the basement of the division? Because if you lose, if they lose this game, which I mean can happen, right? Because it bounces, whatever. Justin Fields runs for 200 yards. Things happen. This Vikings team doesn't have Jefferson. So is there anything to being uh, not in that division's basement against a team in Chicago that looked before this two game run in Chicago, people were talking about Matt Eberflus getting fired. I mean, I think what's interesting about it, I think there's more to be lost than to be gained, right? Because you lose this game, you are at best going to be two and six at the trade deadline because you are not beating San Francisco. If you can't beat the Bears, even if you beat the Bears, you're not beating San Francisco and you very well could still lose to Green Bay and be two and six. But you are at minimum no better than two and six if you lose this game going into the trade deadline. All, All of the conversations we're having about potential trades to Neil Hunter, things like that, that all gets ratcheted up to another level if you lose to the Bears. I think there's more to lose. I don't think you learn a whole lot if you win. There is one thing to be gained from this, as far as I can see. And this is going to be <laughs> a, a bit of a Chris Thomason level wow. uh, insight here. Tortured path. Um, if they finish third in the division, they, finish, they go to the same place finisher in the NFC East next year. They finish fourth, obviously, same place in yeah. the NFC East. Uh, fourth place right now is the New York Giants. Uh, third place is the Washington Commanders. This is totally selfish. I just don't want to go to FedEx Field again. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I've got. I mean, it, I so that's I, what's I guess to be gained. That would if they lose. Um, I guess that's another. You put that in a in the sure. column of another thing to be gained. Or alternatively, if they get up to second, if they catch the Packers for second, then it's a trip to Jerry World. So, ah, there we go. Just not FedEx, please. It's just anything but Washington. Anything but FedEx. Anything but I like Washington a lot. Landover, four Maryland. Years. You don't like that? I, I, you don't like that? For the, for the stadium, I do not like that. <laughs> I like everything else about the area, but don't like that. <laughs>